0: All right, friends. I'm so happy to have this opportunity for all of us to learn with Rabbi Tarlin Rabizadeh. Um Tarlin, thank you so much for doing this tonight. We're thrilled to hear from you. Welcome.
1: Thank you so much, Rabbi Brous. Again, if I can just ask everyone to come up forward, I have sheets on the seats in front. It'll entice everyone to come, hi, Michael. It'll entice everyone to just come forward, come forward. Let's do a, let's be a little bit more cozy if possible. What's up, you need something for me?
2: <laughs>
1: come on in. So Hak Samir everyone for um and everyone at home cozying up in your in your living room or whatnot. Um I'm sure we've said the blessing at some point for studying Torah, but Baruch Ata Adonai, Eloheinu Allaham, olam Chan Bibbsota, Bitsivanu la asok Be'Divrei torah. Amen. So um you know, it's funny when you prepare for a text, you study, you study, you study, you study, and then um, you end up kind of focusing on one thing. Um, so, so let's see, let's see what all of you think of some of this stuff that I came up with. I'd love to learn from you tonight, not just teach. I think that's uh, that's the best. That's the be- You know, I'm kind of selfish like that. I want to, I want to learn what all of you can teach me. So, I'll start off in Exodus 24-7, It says veikah sefer habrit then he took the record of the covenant and read it aloud to the people right and they said all that adonai has spoken we will faithfully do and in the hebrew the famous line is right we will do and we will listen or maybe we will do and we will hear And it's funny that I ended up on this text because I was in 10th grade in Rabbi Brous's class. And it was in this moment that I think I really realized I wanted to become a rabbi. Because I was an annoying teenager who said, why the heck do I have to do this? I don't want to, why do I have to follow these laws? And I remember Rabbi Brous being the visual teacher that she is, drew a mountain upside down at a bunch of people. And he's, she said that there is that there's a fable, that there's sort of a midrash. So we're going we're gonna to jump down to the bottom. At this moment, um, in Exodus, Moses leads the people out of the camp toward God, and they take their places at the foot of the mountain. And there's, there's, a, there's a Gemara sighting. Michael, is there any way we can pass a mic around so other people can speak, or should I read the... Yeah? Does anyone want to read English? English. You want to do it? She'll do it. Oh, did you call on someone? There'll be plenty, I promise. Go for it. So, the Gemara sites. Let's start
3: with the Torah says. Okay, the Torah says, and Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet God, and they stood at the lowermost part of the mount. Rabbi Avdimi Barhama Barhasa said, the Jewish people actually stood beneath the mountain, and the verse teaches that the Holy One, blessed be he, overturned the mountain above the Jews like a tub and said to them, if you accept the Torah, excellent. And if not, there will be your burial. Okay,
1: (laughs) so what's happening in this moment? What is going on? Somebody want to tell me? You want to tell me? Tell me and I'll repeat it. Coercion. Coercion. Coercion, right? You got to do this by force. Okay, keep going.
3: Um, Okay, Rav Aha Bar Yaakov said, From here, there is a substantial caveat to the obligation to fulfill the Torah. The Jewish people can claim that they were coerced into accepting the Torah, and it is therefore not binding. So, if we were forced to do it, then it's not binding, he's saying. Rav, Rava said, Even so, they again accepted it willingly in the time of Ahash, Ahash, Um As it is written, the Jews ordained and took upon them and upon their seed and upon all such as joined themselves unto them. And he taught the Jews ordained what they had already taken upon themselves through coercion at Sinai.
1: Great. I just love that because the story of Esther is in it, and it's just showing us that for many, many generations, they took it upon themselves. So you can see as as an annoying teenager in Rabbi Brouss' class, this is not so much of a helpful response, right? Um, I'm asking her why the heck do I have to follow this, and um, the, the fable is that God forced us to do it. All right? So now, I looked up a bunch of different answers for what this line could mean. So we're going to go through some of them. I'm going to watch the time. We might not be able to go through all of them. But I want you to let me know if any of them particularly speak to you, all right? Um, often, you'll have you know, us bring up a bunch of different texts that have to do with a the theme. Today, we are going deep on one line, okay? So forced to accept the Torah, why did God need to suspend the mountain over them? forcing the Jewish people to accept the Torah. After all, the people of Israel had already declared their willingness to accept the Torah, right? They said, We will do and we will listen and we will understand what it means after we do. So bullet point number one, why don't you just pass it on?
4: Nasev v'nishma referred only to the Ten Commandments, not the entire Torah. God overturned the mountain to force them to accept all the other mitzvot.
1: So what's going on here? My old, and f- my old favorite student. I have new favorite students on the other side.
4: <laughs> Beats me, Tarlin. I'm not yeah? sure. Yeah?
1: What could it mean? Now, seven Yishma only refers to the Ten Commandments, not the whole Torah. So God overturned the mountain to force him to accept all of the Torah. Right?
0: Mm-hmm. So... Maybe it's an emphasis on the Ten Commandments. Maybe,
1: or maybe in saying Ten Commandments is not enough. I know my mom always says, isn't the basis of the Torah just the Ten Commandments? The rest is commentary. (laughs) I say, no, mother, and don't tell people your daughter's a rabbi. (laughs) So let's go on to the next next bullet. Max, you up for
4: it? Sure. God feared that the awesome thunder and flames might frighten the Jews into... Uh, retracting. Uh, retracting their acceptance of the Torah.
1: Right. So this is in the Tosafot. So, you know, there's thunder and lightning happening at this moment. And so maybe the reason God coerced everyone was because people might have been freaking out and going backwards. I remember um, Rabbi Rowley um, in... Um, In New York, there was a moment where he was trying to get everybody's attention to uh, read the Torah on Shavuot and no one was listening. And he said, now I know God, why God made thunder and lightning, because you people aren't listening, right? So he's saying, maybe maybe God suddenly saw that the flames were too much for the Jews and they retracted. So God is saying, I'm going to turn the mountain over so they'll listen. I don't know how many of you have ever been teachers of a classroom. Sometimes we do interesting things to make sure that the younger students, we got nods in the back, are listening to, are listening to us. Okay. Let's do three. Someone else? Should I pass it? Should I
3: pass
1: it up? How about over there? Oh, you want to sure? do the third bullet?
3: Okay. Nasev Nishma uh, does not constitute complete acceptance. God forced them to confirm their acceptance with a covenant and an
1: oath. So what's going on here? It wasn't enough. It wasn't enough that they said, ishma, that I will do and I will listen. So God put a mountain above them so that they would have a breach, an oath, that said, not only do we hear and we understand, we promise to keep this going. You want to read the next one? The Jews.
5: The Jews wished to accept the Torah only on condition that they would be able to live in Eretz Israel. He gave them to the land of the nations so they might safeguard his statues and observe his teachings. God forced them to observe the Torah even outside Eretz Israel in exile.
1: Everyone's staring at me.
5: How do you feel about this one? Amazing. Amazing?
1: Why? Tell me. In the mic. You don't, you don't want to tell me in the mic?
5: I think it's great. I mean, tell me. I, I mean, I, I feel like if you're living only in Israel, then you're only in one part. And I think that's why I think the da- diaspora is so important. Yes. I mean, Israel is a very important thing. And, you know, it's, that's what they're starting originally, but then. You know, to force them to um, live outside of Israel, you can still be, you know, uh, observant. Beautiful. And remember that the Torah was given to us right
1: outside of Israel, right? Right. Moses didn't make it into the promised land, and we got all of this right outside, which is a beautiful reminder that, you know... We're all all like um,
5: strangers. Yeah, it's almost like maybe God
1: knew we would be outside longer than we'd be inside, and we'd go inside, and then we'd leave again to go outside, and... That's the life of us in Israel, for sure. Mike, I can't hear you.
2: Motherland?
1: Motherland, the motherland, yeah. Israel is like the motherland. Do you like to go live at home with your mother? Sure, but in doses, yeah? (laughs) That's how I feel about my life in Israel. Okay, God chose Mount Sinai. Hey. Who would like to read that? You want to read that? It's too long. Okay. You want to? Someone
2: else? You want to? read what?
4: God chose Mount Sinai, the lowest of the surrounding mountains, is the location of Matan for there will come a time when Claudia Sorel will go into exile. And the Torah will be disdained, scorned, and lowered. Afraid of the bitter exile, the Jews wanted to take back their acceptance of the Torah. If you accept the Torah, God told them, it will be a source of strength to you in Galut. But if you do not accept it, Sham Teche there in Galut will be your grave. For without the Torah, you will not be able to survive the horrors of the exile.
1: What's going on here? We kind of touched on it a minute ago. More coercion. That is the theme of this. Right? It was was given to them at the lowest surrounding of the mountain. Right? Because there's going to be moments where we're going to be in lowliness. Right? Because in our tradition, remember, being in the Galut, being in the diaspora, I should translate, is sort of lowliness in a way we always desire to go back whether or not we agree with that is is our own you know is our own but traditionally there's a desire to make aliyah there's a desire to reunite with the rest of our people in one place although at the same time we always want to be a light among the nations and that way always be in the world right and always learn like abraham did he went through the world and always wanted to teach but also gain information from the world right How many of us leave for college to another place? How many of us travel to learn more? We give, people get exposed to Jewish worlds, and then we also gain.
2: The immense spiritual levels that the Jews attained at Mount Sinai made them capable of prophetically viewing all future generations. This newfound awareness of the sins of later generations caused them to hesitate. Why should they accept responsibility Responsibility for the descendants' misdeeds God forced them to accept the Torah And acknowledge their liability For future generations
1: What do you think of this one? Um, To a certain extent You kind of are responsible For how your descendants turned out Because, you know If you Of course, it it won't always stick, but if you try to teach them as strongly as you can, I can't imagine all of it wouldn't linger with them, so. Okay, great. And it's so nice to see you in person instead of teaching you on Zoom. I love it. Anyone else? I mean, what is this really telling us?
3: Um, to me it's also like it's saying this isn't just about you and your people in here it's about forever ahead of you like endless infinite people that you'll be
1: influencing in the future beautiful I mean there's a famous there's a famous midrash that talks about um, God wanting to give um, the Torah to the people and the people say, You know, God, give us the Torah. And God says, What are you, you going to guarantee me if I give you the Torah? What are you going to guarantee me? And God says, You know, our ancestors, you know, they were great. They loved you. They followed you. They're like, You're, Our ancestors are not a good guarantee. They fetched in the desert. They didn't always believe in me. Give me another one. It's like, How about the prophets? The prophets rebuked us. They were, they were tough on us. They, they followed you. He's like, No, I got problems with them too. Last chance. And the people say, Our children. And he goes, ding, ding, ding. You give me your children, I will give you our Torah. And the children are the guarantors. And I always think about that because there's a lot of Kabbalistic ideas about how children being so new in the world understand the meaning of God, understand the meaning of of so many things that we kind of forget through life as we get older, you know, people... People get in our way, and we become tough sometimes, right? So, so children children are our liability. We have to make sure that we pass it on to our children. I see a hand, and thank you. Duke for the win.
6: Hi. Uh, what I was going to say was the one constant of the Torah through the generations, past, present, and future, what changes is in future generations you're going to have different interpretations of the Torah from what we do now, here, tonight, and what how it was interpreted in the past. Mm-hmm. That's what's different.
1: Totally. And I think Rabbi Artson kind of ta- touched on on the last session in a beautiful way. It's kind of the same words, but we see it differently, right? Which is the whole point of why we read Torah over and over again. I remember learning in rabbinical school that the way we learn Torah, or the way we think about the calendar cycle, is not in a circle or in a straight line, linearly, but it's a spiral. Every week we learn a different parashah, a different chapter of the Torah, and every year we do certain things. Every year we learn the same parshiot for Rosh Hashanah, the same chapters for Yom Kippur. But the words aren't different. We're different. And because we're different, we see parts of it that we didn't see before, Right? When I'm younger, I'm not really paying attention to the fact that these women couldn't conceive. But when I'm older and I'm thinking about babies or I'm thinking about marriage or I'm thinking about whatever it is, I start to notice things that I didn't notice before, right? You notice all of those things. And so, great point. Um, fantastic. Any other thoughts before we move on? Okay, next. Um, Bene. Israel, right? Who's got the mic? Mike, you got <laughs> Michael's double fisting the mics. Do we, yeah? Okay. Go
2: ahead.
1: Go ahead. B'nai Israel, the people of Israel, B'nai or Yisrael. the children of Israel.
2: B'nai Israel? Which one is that? Okay is it the third one from the the, the fourth one from the bottom when okay. Israel had the, just experienced the, the momentous the miracles of the Exodus and the parting of the sea and they <laughs> accepted the Torah out of the Arden or love of the God but the God wanted them to accept the Torah out of the both ah, Ahavah uh, love love of God and the uh, Yorah fear of the God and since it's Fear of a God which inspires a person to do teshuvah, teshuvah, t- repentance. God held, held the moment. God the. God God mountain. Held the mountain over mm-hmm. the Israel to induce, induce in, 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 in sense of the Urah. The Jews, Jewish, Jewish people would would deserve him with both emotions, love and awe.
1: Great. So uh, what's happening here? So God wanted them to accept the Torah both out of love and out of fear. Because fear is what helps people repent and become a better person, right? It's a little bit also about what Rabbi Artson was saying before, right? You need sort of limitations and you also need freedom. You need both, right? You need keva, you need some kind of continuous rhythm, and you also need kavanah, intention. There's no point in praying three times a day just because you're praying. And I ask people, who are you talking to? They're like, I don't know. And then on the other end, you just pray whenever you want. Sometimes you don't pray, right? So we need both. So God held the mountain over Israel to induce them out of a sense of fear because the Jewish people would then serve God with both emotions, love and fear. Sometimes you need both. Any thoughts? I love the nods, though. For all of you back at home, I'm getting nods. I can't go with Can of
6: know, what I was going to say on the issue of prayer is whether you pray three times a day or ten times a day or not at all, life happens. Mm. And, you know, we can't predict the future. So we can pray and, and hope for the best, but that doesn't mean that it's going to change something for the better or for the worse.
1: That's, that's great. But we also, just for praying a few times a day, three times, ten times, good for you, um, it helps you kind of be stable. So in a way I mean, for me, them. I do
6: a lot of... I'm a long-distance runner, so I do a lot of running. Nice. So that, that, that lowers my stress a lot. Some people pray, so...
5: I love it. Do you mind passing it to the person over there? She has something to say. I mean, if you think about Heschel when he was you know when he said that he was you know when, during um Selma and he was walking, you know marching during the civil rights movement, right and he wa- and people you know, they went up to him and said, Rabbi, rabbi, why are you not praying? It's Shabbat and he says no I'm. I am praying, I'm praying, praying with, with my, my feet. feet, and so it, I think that We have to understand that praying is not about an actual, you know, it's important to obviously know certain prayers, but it's also important to act the action of it uh, and being able to do something. And if you're going to, let's say, text message to show what you're thinking, you know, to help or to call or to do things that are active, that's a form of prayer that I think that we often don't realize because it's not traditional.
1: Beautiful. I mean, that brings me to mind to something else Rabbi Rouse taught me. I'm just going to do a bunch of Rabbi Rouse stuff. Um, Rabbi Rouse, I think she, um, she talks about Hana a lot. And one of the things that we love about the story of Hannah is that she, she prayed with complete intention. I mean, she's the one that really taught us, you know, when we pray the Amidah, the standing prayer, what it means to pray with intention. And there's a fable that's also based off of that about a about a, a child in the back of the synagogue. Um, there's a rabbi in the front who's who's teaching prayer and praying, and there's the kid in the back who's just like mumbling some stuff and the rabbi doesn't know what he's what's happening and you know when you're in teacher mode you get really annoyed when something is not going your way and you don't think about the bigger picture so the rabbi goes in the back and he goes what's going on I'm I'm teaching in the front you keep mumbling he's like I'm 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 just saying the hebrew alphabet and he says, what do you mean you're saying the Hebrew alphabet? He's like, Rabbi, I don't know how to read. So I'm just saying the Aleph Bet and hoping up that it'll go up to God and God's going to put the words together for me, I which is which is a beautiful, beautiful understanding of it. But the idea about being having discipline to run every day or doing it a few times a day is sometimes you're not in the mood always. And the idea is when you create space within time, which is also what Heschel talks about in, in the Sabbath, you have to carve out space within time and, and make sure that you adhere to that rhythm so that you can, you can, you know, you can have those moments of intention. But if you just wait for the mood, I mean, I can't tell you the last time I painted something because I haven't carved out time to do it anymore. So it's gum bagum, both. Um, let's, can you mind giving someone else a chance? Can we, someone else, do the um, the B'nai? Thank you so much. B'nai Yisrael, the third from the bottom.
4: <clears throat> B'nai Yisrael were willing to accept the Torah out of love of God. God held the mountain over them to ensure that even when under duress, they would still keep the Torah.
1: Sometimes you're willing to accept it because you love someone. But sometimes you just, when you, when you say you have to do it anyways and you give them, give them anxiety, I guess, in this moment, it just, remember, they'll remember that even when they have some kind of duress in their life, that they should still adhere to cling to the Torah. You're not amused, it looks like.
4: I, I'm still having the difficulties with Akolya Dua Varshot Natuna. So that's still the conflict and the, the paradox still haunts me because you can choose whatever you want. In other words, if kol Dua, why bother? Right. For a tunna, that means you have a choice. Right. But it doesn't mean that you have a choice if everything is known. So that's the conflict that stuck me on the whole thing. And um, he said it's very nice. He said it's paradox. Yeah. But when you try to interpret it, either way, you get into a, a wall. So right now, okay, fine. <laughs> he did it. Terrific. But it doesn't mean that they chose it. Right. They were forced into it. Yeah. Where's the free will?
1: Where's the free will? Let's okay. keep going. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe you're, you're, you'll, you'll be happy at the end. Who knows? Maybe not. You want to pass it on?
0: Yeah. How are we doing? Oh, Rabbi. Mike. Uh, you know, I, I think this one's pretty, uh, this is really powerful, actually, because the ho- it turns the whole text on its head, right? The assumption is that when you're under duress, you're going to do it because you're afraid and you have to. And this text is actually saying, no, we do it out of love, but the duress comes to train us that in hard times we should also that we should also hold fast to Torah. Like, in other words, this text is assuming that in challenging times, we won't go along with what we're being pushed toward, but instead we would we would flee from it. And so we're gaining the muscle memory that even under duress, we still go close to Torah and close to God. When the duress itself should make us flee, so in other words, trauma, exile, execution, you know, um, genocide—all of those things that would that that might make us leave our faith—we're actually being trained in the time of Harkegikid of the mountain. That those are precisely the moments where you don't run but you stay. I, I find that to, that to be the most interesting one on the page. Actually, it's yeah. I think it's the most counter. It's the most counterintuitive.
1: Shamata. Thank you so
4: much.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's right. 70 sides of Torah. Okay.
4: All right. God held the mountain over Israel.
6: No,
1: next. Oh, No, 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 you're right. Good.
4: Okay. God held the
6: mountain over Israel as an act of love. Just as a loving father forces his child
4: to obey him, so God compelled the Jews, his children, to accept the Torah.
1: How do you like that one? Sometimes. I'm asking the free
4: will all the time. Yes. One thing they told me about Judaism. There's a free wheel. Okay, both. It doesn't come out from here. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. how can you get it? It's not a free wheel. Right.
1: Right. Okay. Tough audience, but it's good. It'll. It's good. Last comment. Yeah, and then we'll go on.
6: Yeah, on the subject of prayer, um, we agree that Yom Kippur is the holiest day of the Jewish calendar. Well, I'm a student of history. In 1973, Israel was attacked on Yom Kippur. Mm -hmm. So we were all praying as Jews on Yom Kippur, and and our homeland gets attacked. So there you go.
1: And even in times of duress. Correct. Yes. Okay. Someone, would you like to read the last bullet for me on that page? Okay.
0: Um, God wished to make it clear to Israel that they did have a choice. Ah, let's all. Okay. Well... But it keeps going. Yes.
1: <laughs> a choice between ultimate life and eternal death. Oh. If you accept the Torah,
0: there is reward in store for you. If you reject the Torah, you will not have a share in the world to come.
1: <laughs> no one's going to Gehenna in this room. All right.
4: the
1: choice. You accept, or you, yeah. Sometimes we have to naase, and then later we nishma. Right? Sometimes you got to do it to understand why it's there. Do you think I liked math in school? I did not. But now I wouldn't be able to budget my Excel spreadsheets without it. Right? So we need both. We need both. Yes, of course. Uh, we need a mic. Uh, where is the nearest one?
0: Oh, thank you, Michael. Like, with the term na'asev so we will do and then... I mean, na'asa is... Um, you right. We will oh, do. Yeah, yeah we will we... do, and then we will obey. So, like, our actions come first. So, for example, if you're mm-hmm. not in the mood one day to give tzedakah um, to someone that you happen to come upon on a street, but then um, you decide, my action will come first, and then I'll be in the mood to do it. I'll obey it later. I'll obey the mitzvah, but first I'll just do the action.
1: Absolutely. There are so many things that we first do and then we understand, right? And and we'll we'll get a little bit to that also because I think it's also about what we watch other people do, right? When we watch other people give tzedakah, or we watch other people care about Israel, or we watch other people light the Shabbat candles, so that we understand what it means. And well, we'll get to that. Okay, who next? Okay. <coughs> You can pass it just, you know, they force them. Not <laughs> say and then they'll nishma. <laughs> Rabbi Artson. Oh. Second page top bullet.
4: Second
1: page top. Forced to
6: accept the nope. Torah.
1: No the image it says number two sorry three that says number he's two. right you're right you didn't like math i didn't like <laughs> I didn't like math no
6: the image of holding the mountain over Israel teaches us an important lesson if you are not in the mood to learn Torah, imagine standing at Sinai with God holding the mountain over you whether you like it or not you've got to buckle down and learn from the I, I had
1: to include that one. It was how I...
6: Koldos Yaakov Yosef.
1: <laughs> will you do one more for us?
6: This is from the Chidr Harim. The generation that witnessed the miracles of the Exodus eagerly accepted the Torah. God held the mountain over the future generations of Israel so that they, too, would freely accept the Torah.
1: Beautiful. I'm going to read the last two because um, the clock in front of me is slow. The Jews said, Na'aseh, we will do, but only v'nishmah those mitzvot that we can understand, God forced them to also accept the chum, the mitzvot whose rationale we cannot fathom. I'm going to bring it all together in the end. With the words na'asev and ishma, each individual agreed to learn Torah by himself. God held the mountain over them to force them to teach Torah to others, right? There's also the the midrash that uh, Noah, who we all know was a righteous man who walked with God, that the Kedushat HaLevi says that um, actually... He wasn't such a great guy because he didn't actually complete his, his, um, his tikkun in life, his mission in life. That's why God brought him back as Moses, so that he could rebuke other people to also do good. So part of this is also telling us it's not enough for us to follow Torah, but we have to bring others to follow Torah. And that's why we all say naasev and Ishma together. There's a song at the very bottom that um, I, I heard last week, not to boast or anything, but um, at the White House when they were talking about anti-Semitism. And um, Ben Platt, who was one of the performers, sang this song about children. And I just want to leave with this. Um, I'll try and sing it, but that's not the point. Careful the things you say, children will listen. Careful the things you do, children will see and learn. Children may not obey, but children will listen. Children will look to you for which way to turn. Um, And, you know, there's more lyrics, but um, I I know we have to close. And and one of the things I'll say is that... um, I, I, I lost my grandmother uh, a week ago, and one of the things that I said for her eulogy was that uh, in all the years I went to Stephen Wise and Milken, and all the years that I went to rabbinical school, I didn't know the meaning of God if it wasn't for my grandmother, and I didn't know the meaning of what it means to do Jewish if it wasn't for my grandmother. And so there's something really important about vana'aseh to do and then to understand, Sometimes we do things and sometimes we tell our children to do things and later they're gonna understand what it is. But I really, really want to leave you all with this one thing which is that in Kabbalah there's an understanding like the letter Samech which is a circle that life is like a ripple effect, a domino, that what you say to one person has a ripple effect on the world. You have no idea if you start paying attention to what degree I mean. You help someone cross the street and suddenly someone saw it in the car and they'll do the same thing you They saw so you wink at someone, they saw you help someone. It, it's a ripple effect. And often we we focus so much on the negative, but you and I wouldn't be safe walking down the street if there was more evil than good. There's more good than bad. And so um, I wanna, in a not coercive way, hold the mountain over all of our heads and, and pick any of these bullet points that you want. Whether it's to become closer to Torah, sometimes you feel the love, sometimes you have to do it by force. Or sometimes it's about bringing other people, Jews and non-Jews, into doing good by leading through your example. Na'aseh Venishma. First do it, and then understand why it matters. And with that, I'm wishing you all a Chag Sameach. Happy Shavuot.